Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management and marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Marketing, and your host for this episode. Today, we have a very special guest, Nick Bonfiglio, CEO and co-founder of Eptrinsic. Welcome, Nick. Thank you, Rebecca. Great to be here. All right, to start, Nick, can you just give our listeners a little bit of history about yourself and what brought you to where you are today? Yeah, yeah. So I've been in the, the Valley for you know almost all my career and have done lots of SaaS startups uh, throughout the years, including uh, the last two being CollabNet, which was a uh, SaaS uh, development tools um, uh, for enterprises. And most recently, I spent seven years at Marketo as um, and the last three years as the EVP of global product for, for that company. So you've been in SaaS for, for quite a few years, and I know that in that time you've seen quite a few changes. That's right. That's right. That's one of the one of the things that got us to start up Transic is while we were at Marketo, we just sort of realized that there's this whole macro shift happening in in SaaS businesses where you know the, the, the technologies that we had built at Marketo were great for a lot of the you know evolution of doing this marketing led go to market strategy. But one of the things we started seeing emerge in this macro trend that was happening in a lot of companies is is that people starting to having to use their product to lead with their product in order to get people into into their platform. And so as we started to look at this problem, we realized that the current platforms and capabilities of technologies today, including the HubSpot's Eloquiz and Marketos of the world, weren't able to operate in this real-time capability mode that was needed in order to get to this next level of product uh, of go-to-market, which is leading with your product. And that led you to this, what you guys talk a lot about on your blog and in your ebooks, this product-led go-to-market strategy, which is just a fascinating concept. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah. So basically, there's a lot of companies out there that do this today. I mean, if you look at the, 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 you know, the Googles and the Facebooks and companies with larger engineering footprints are able to devote time to have in-product journeys for their customers, depending on who they happen to be. And so what we decided to do was like if there was this blend that you can have where in, you know, in, if, you, if you take a look at the early SaaS, we call SaaS 1.0 era, where those companies were primarily emerging, they were really thinking about, hey, how do I move the system of records from on-premise into the cloud? And then during that time, what we discovered was that hey, a, a lot of the conversations were around infrastructures and security and, and those kinds of things. And during that era, we were using the same sales-led approaches that we had in enterprise businesses for our SaaS businesses. You know, you fast forward into circa 2000, where companies like Marketo, HubSpot, Elkla, all the companies that we're familiar with in this B2B enterprise space emerged. We started not only creating tools for marketing-led go-to-market, but we actually were adopting those strategies ourselves. And the biggest change that happened there was that in the SaaS 2.0 era is that we started to use the ubiquity of the internet in order to create more compelling uh, experiences for customers, you know, through through connected, um, you know, workflows and things like that. But that sort of didn't wasn't really enough to get to this next level. And so what we're seeing today is that uh, in this product led go to market strategy, that it's no longer that you're going to be able to compete on price and on features. I mean, anyone can copy your features today very easily uh, in today's uh, technology capabilities, and everyone can really copy your pricing models. And where companies are going to have to start to differentiate in this new um, SaaS 3.0 era that we call it in our book is to differentiate on, on the experience that you provide customers. How, how are they 
how are they getting from step one or level one in your product to level two in your product? And how do you guide their journey based on who they are? Are they, are they the initial sign-up user that came to your product? Or are they the uh, administrator or are they a practitioner? Or are they an executive that's in your product? And be able to have those journeys is what we really mean by this next uh, this product-led go-to-market. And how do you then measure, you know, if you think about sales driven or even some of the marketing led in the past and you have clear metrics, you would do number of leads or something like that. How do you measure success in this product led uh, environment? Yeah, superb question. I mean, so if you take the fact that at Marketo, what we did really well, we took uh, instrumented your website and we let you send emails and create landing pages um, that allowed you to get a user from a general awareness perspective of your paid media or whatever you're doing to become, and they, that, during this time, they're really anonymous users of your, that are coming to your site. We allowed you to do a conversion of those anonymous users to what's called a lead, and then to score those leads based on what they did on the website. What was missing in this product-led go-to-market strategy was the ability to then say, okay, this user is then gonna go from my website as a lead, now they become a signed-up user, and now they're inside of my product, and how do I now start guiding their journey inside of the product? and score their use and behaviors inside of the product so that I understand how to get them from this whole journey of going from anonymous to lead, from lead to sign up, and from sign up to customer, and being able to have a more uh, diverse and a complete um, um, set of metrics for, for, for that. So that's a really interesting comparison. So I, I think about scores like we do uh, in our in our marketing automation software about their score before they become a customer. And here you're taking different behaviors and scoring them as a customer. Which, yeah, right. yeah, and I think that's really important in today's SaaS world too, because the sort of customer journey is is ongoing, and and the you need them to sort of continually purchase or at least continually decide not to stop. Um, and so, seeing those scores on a regular basis, I imagine, also is extraordinarily helpful for retention uh, and improving metrics along there. Yep, and and that's the other part of the the intrinsic story here is that we really help you not just get to the point to where they become a customer. But we think of it as a flywheel rather than a funnel where you're in a continuous cycle of working with your customers to get them to the next level. And, the, and it becomes an increasingly more important in larger enterprises that may have multi-product. And this is the problem that we suffered with at Marketo that actually led us to start up Trinsic was when, as we got, as we grew and we became a multi-product company, a multi-services capabilities company, how do we effectively do upsell and cross-sell of our existing base from one core capability into a new capability that we're releasing? And that ability to link those two things was near impossible to do at that time. And so what we've done is rather than a traditional, you know, score 10 plus or minus 10 based on behaviors that are happening, we think of it as, as, as goals achieved during behavior that you want to model. And so if people achieve these goals along this axis of getting to, you know, become super user of your product, there's a point in time in their journey where you can say, you know, they've consumed enough of product A and they really understand product A, now is the time to message them about product B. Uh, in, in the traditional model that we use today, we sort of bombard everyone with our upsell cross-sell messages across the entire base. And one of my favorite stories here was at Marketo when, you know, when we were doing upsell cross-sell, we'd have customers that barely even sent their first campaign. And I, and I remember them receiving emails about buying like our, our enhanced analytics or something like that. And they just weren't ready to consume those messages at that time. And if you think of it as like, can I send the right message to the right user at the right time in order to either upsell, cross-sell, or retain them because of inactivity or anything that goes on in, in, in the retention side, those two things combined ultimately create a system that's way more powerful than just the front-end um, you know, you know, lead, lead generation, uh, demand gen part of the funnel. 
And I would think too, it allows you to your point to, to do this based on their behaviors versus on a set period of time. Like traditionally you're like, okay, they're going to sign up and four months later, I'm going to send them this or two weeks after I'm going to send them that. But that is of course, assuming they all act the same and they all uh, sort of consume and interact with your product at the same level. And that's just not the case. So this really lets you move that up faster or slower based on how deeply and how quickly they're engaging with your product. Um, that is so precisely right, Rebecca. That is exactly how we think of it. It's every individual, we call it hyper-personalization is what we call it here at Trinsic. Every individual is on their own journey with your product. And to try and treat everyone as one particular you know, uh, set of, of things you're going to do for every person that comes in is, is kind of kind of a fallacy in my mind because I'm going to adopt the product at a different rate that someone else is going to adopt the product. We might both still adopt, but we have to do it at our own journey. And being able to speak to me inside of the product while I'm using it with the right journey for me is way more important than just, you know, receiving these random sound bites. So we look at it as, um, you know, instead of doing a campaign where it's a drip campaign to get people to do certain things, it's what are the phases of evolution I want to take the customer on. And what I wrote about in the book, Rebecca, is I have a, a gaming background as well. And when we were in gaming, you know, we started thinking about, how do we get somebody from level one to level two and from level two to level three? And by the time they get to level three, we know that they've adopted a big chunk of the gameplay and a big chunk of the, of, of, of the features and capabilities of the, of the game. And when we started this, I started thinking, like, why is it any different for software? You really are trying to get people from a novice user to an intermediate user to an advanced user to a champion to you know, an advocate for, for yourself. And, and you have to know along that journey that they're on when they hit each one of these goals in, in your process. And there's so much more we can dig into on that. All right, let's hold on one second, take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hello, Pragmatic Live listeners. You know we're passionate about product management, and we've been training professionals like you since 1993. If you're ready to increase product sales, reduce time to market, and improve customer satisfaction, register to experience a Pragmatic training session today at pragmaticmarketing.com slash buy. So there's kind of a, a big, I mean, it makes incredible amount of sense. And I, and I can see as the, as our audiences mature, they're going to have an expectation in this area, just like we have an expectation today with brands that we interact with a regular basis for them to, to remember us. It's really frustrating when they don't. I just had that person, uh, process I bought a car and it was like they'd never met me before and I was like I just bought one from you guys like three years ago and then they keep sending me emails that say you should come buy a car and I'm like but I just did (laughs) but I think that that expectation is something where it grows within the user base as we're getting used to that and I think from a business to business process it's going to what separate the softwares that we really embrace that feel like part of us and deeply connected from those that is just like, ah, every time I go there, it's like, they don't know me. It's like those old bank numbers when you dialed in and you had to keep entering your account number six times on the same phone call. So I think this just becomes more and more critical for businesses as they go forward. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. And what we, the way we talk about it here is that the, the customer's expectations um, are changing in B2B as well. If you think of ourselves as being consumers in this B2C world, um, that experience that we have in the speed of sea world that, you know, we'll immediately drop a vendor if we don't feel like they're, you know, what you just said, that they're listening to us or they're working with us as individuals. And this same 
feeling that we we have about wanting to be a consumer is starting to bleed into the B2B world. So where your your customers that are or your prospects that are coming to your site, first of all, are way more educated uh, these days than they ever been. They're they're ready to consume your product based on what they're trying to solve for a problem. And most of the times they really don't even want to talk to a salesperson at that point. This whole B2C, I want to engage with the product, I want to use the product to solve my problem is 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 becoming more prevalent and that experience that you give those customers prospects and leads during that time is what's going to separate you from these other B2B companies that are in this you know you said of banking numbers but that that style of 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 dealing with customers so what kind of organizations and companies have you guys seen really embrace this shift this new SaaS 3.0 model well, so there's a lot of examples that I, I use in my chats that I do, uh, um, and you know one of the ones that I use most is uh, Gusto is a a SaaS product that um, we use here, and it allows you to do HR payroll and a few other things um, in there. But think of it as a one stop shop to run your your small business. I found it completely invaluable when we started up Transit to be able to just not to go from payroll to benefits to 401ks to everything as we were going through that. When you use that product, they engage you at different stages of you're at two employees, you're at three employees, you're, oh, you're at four employees, now we can start selling you benefits. Oh, you're at eight employees, now we can start talking about 401ks. That whole style of engaging you, in, you know, as a B2B user is a great example of used to. If you think of Zoom, uh, Zoom did not invent anything new. As a matter of fact, those guys left a company that was doing almost exactly the same thing that they're doing today. What they change is how they deliver to the user. They're 100% freemium upsell cross-sell model that is engaging customers while they're using it and selling them and upselling them into new features, new capabilities, different size uh, offerings while they're using the product. And then, you know, lastly, I like to use Slack because, you know, being the biggest hyper-growth SaaS business uh, ever, um, they literally just came out as, yeah, try the product for free as an individual, add a couple people, start a team as you start advancing Pass a team, you start doing the upsell, cross-sell into enterprise features and enterprise capabilities, and that whole model seems to work. So, there's, and there's a zillion other examples of larger companies that are doing this. What we have done at Intrinsic is actually made these kinds of capabilities that exist in these larger, more well-funded companies with large, you know, that may have larger engineering teams like Google, you know, Facebooks in the world, but actually get, make this available to every SaaS company that's in in business today to be able to do this with near zero coding. And with um, a simple, easy-to-use uh, platform with a great user interface to help you do this with. So let's talk a little bit about that. So if someone, uh, one of our listeners, is a product manager at a SaaS environment, and they want to start moving towards this, what are some tips and tools or hints that you would give them uh, to start uh, on the journey? Yeah, I mean, I would start first, and I hate to say this to plug my own book, but uh, I would start with reading our book because it really is a comprehensive view of how to master the product experience. And in there, we talk about all the different uh, things that you need to prepare for for this change that's happening in this shift of product-led go-to-market. There's other uh, um, you know books out there that I've read. Dan Olson is somebody that you know worked with us on on our launch event that speaks about a lot of these concepts. Ken Rudin also was at our event. He's a head of growth at Google. He's got some, uh, a ten uh, ten point presentation that's on our website as well that you can look at that really talks about how Google has approached this problem and what did they find out in their learnings during this time. And I, I recommend everyone sort of watch and, and look at his slides that's on our website. 
And there's other, you know, lots of other things that are emerging. I mean, OpenView Ventures has a great blog that is starting to encompass more and more of this product-led go-to-market strategy. This category is is, is emerging, uh, but still young in, in its in its uh, in its in its you know its life cycle. Because I think it would be something that uh, it's not just a shift of the product team, it's kind of a shift of the thinking of the entire organization. So it's not, I think, understanding it yourself and then socializing those concepts would be, would it be a key part to a successful implementation? Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. Some of, some of for example, we, we see this as changing the middle part of the funnel uh, for a lot of businesses. It, it, you know, the, the way we approach this was not to go solve you know, dialogue boxes or sliders or guided tours of, of your product. Of course we can do all that. The way we thought about doing this is how do we tie all that to the behavior of the users and tie that to the revenue of the user so that we understand attribution and we understand ROI and we understand all these things that happen in building a SaaS product and a SaaS company. Um, and so it's that connection from product into sales and into marketing that we're helping to sort of make this shift happen um, today. And what kind of results, um, and we talked a little bit about it with the three examples, but what kind of sort of ROI metric results are your customers seeing and have you seen in this space? Yeah, I mean, so, so two of our customers, uh, I'll, I'll mention one follows us, you know, it's a 100% increase in uh, adoption of new features as they're releasing them by engaging customers in that cycle of releasing new features and doing it at the right time. So they're seeing an uptick in, in adoption of, of for new releases. Uh, another uh, customer is uh, a rally team, and those guys have been adopting it in this interesting, I would say, ABM sort of fashion where they're actually creating experiences for each account separately in this, mm. think of an ABM mm -hmm. uh, in that sense. And what they've seen is a 4x improvement in, in their ability to convert customers and get customers adopted in, into, this, into their platform. Oh, wow. And I would think that... Uh reduction in time to value, which is always a metric very important in SaaS, would be something that this would do, whether it's conversion from free to paid or uh, upsells into others, I think that this that would be a metric that would be could be heavily yeah. influenced here. Absolutely, so CAC efficiency is, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the key things that either makes a company or doesn't in SaaS, and what we saw is it, at Marketo, even we, it eluded us, and what happened was, if you think about how today's companies work, um, where, where, where they need to generate these leads, they'll say, hey, the number for next quarter is 10 million. To generate 10 million, and I back out my current conversion metrics, I, ended, I need a quadrillion zillion leads. And so <laughs> go get me a quadrillion zillion leads because with our conversion rates, that's what we need to go tackle. So they go off and do that, and all the SDRs and all the consternation that goes into getting those leads into sales qualified leads becomes very inefficient. And, and that, that is one part of the CAC uh, problem that SaaS businesses have that we help solve. The other half of it um, is in the, in the retention side. We sell a product and immediately throw it over the fence to success today. And that has caused a, an explosion in customer success uh, resources that are needed in order to make a customer successful in the process. And our view is like, look, you need to onboard these customers correctly, consistently, based on who they are. You need to do it as a self-service, as much of it in product as possible, and minimize the impact of diversion based on you know human touch or anything like that. And so that that's the other half of the CAC equation that we help very much with. Awesome. So how do you see this um, this you know SaaS 3.0? Can you talk a little bit about, in your view, how the product management function alters in this space? Yeah, one one of the things that warms my heart here is as a product guy and a deep uh, you know, product guy and engineer, 
is that in the model that we have today, the product is completely left out of the growth equation. And if you think about that, a SaaS business, the product is left out of the growth equation. It just makes no mental sense at all. And this is why, you know, we have uh, new VPs in, even in our company, like Travis Kaufman, who's heading VP of growth for us, um, heading, heading up growth for us as, as, as a vice president. He's actually also doing the same thing, which is, which is how do I get customers into a, a situation where the, the growth of the customer becomes part of the, the product's team's purview? And I'm seeing more and more CPOs, more heads of growth, more of those kinds of people emerge in businesses who are being held accountable and responsible for making sure that customers are, are on this right growth path as Travis is in our organization. And, and that's a new shift. And I'll give you a parallel shift that happened during the marketing automation, uh, marketing-led go-to-market strategy. We never had something called uh, marketing ops probably before we invented marketing automation in a lot of companies and this whole, this whole genre of marketing-led go-to-market emerged. And in that same way, every company is eventually gonna have a, a head of growth for their SaaS business in order to make sure, and I believe strongly that those heads of growth are going to sit in product and they're going to influence the product direction in order to make sure that the revenues and the adoption and the retention of the customers is, is first and foremost. That's exciting. I mean, that that's an exciting shift. And to your point, it makes logical sense, right? You can't separate the product as an endpoint in a SaaS environment. It's such an ongoing part of the relationship. It is uh, I think you have a quote in one of your pieces that your product is your best sales tool, right? Yep. It's your best yeah. sales tool. It's about retention tool. And to, to really make that clear and part of the entire life cycle, I think, is, a, is an exciting shift in the, in the paradigm. Great. Yep. And uh, that was, yep, that's exactly how we view it is we just want to help you unlock the potential of your, of your SaaS business. Okay, Nick, we talked about a lot today and it's been yep. great. If you were to pick two things that you wanted people to do differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, what would it be? Well, I'd want them the two things that I would, I would do if, based on the, what we talked about today is I would first go look at my own organization and I would first try to map out what's really going on. And, and, and I would do that in context of, 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 again, reading our book or reading Ken's book and, or, you know, just, just getting yourself so educated that this shift is really happening. And then, Taking it one step at a time. There's no way you're going to solve re-architecting re, re your entire organization in one swoop. But if you can get your product organization to think more about behavior, to think more about adoption, to think more about the, those kinds of things that we're, we're doing here at Intrinsic, that starts the path for that SaaS business to make a change into this new model. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Nick, for joining me today. It has been a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thank you so much, Rebecca. I really enjoyed this. All right. And just a reminder for those listening, if you'd like to learn more about this idea of a product-led go-to-market strategy, I absolutely encourage you to check out their blog at aptrinsic.com. Uh, their ebook is on there as well, and it's just a, it's a really interesting read. So that does it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 